DFS MVP episode 142 alongside four for fours director of DFS TJ Hernandez. I'm Holden Kushner. And before we get going, Mr. Hernandez, what are we listening to here? Little classic Bay Area hit. Tell me when to go from E40 featuring Keek the Sneak from uh, their tooth from E40's 2006 album. My get a report card. Yes. Yes. You could find that intro song along with all of the other great DFS MVP intro songs on the DFS MVP Spotify playlist. Go to Spotify, search DFS MVP, or look for it on my Twitter. I'm always tweeting out the link to the playlist along with the podcast. Before we get into everything today, Underdog Fantasy has released a new format of snake drafts. It's called Battle Royale. These are one-week snake drafts where you not only play against teams in your draft, but you play against teams from other drafts in a tournament-style structure. Search Underdog Fantasy in the App Store or go to underdogfantasy.com. Use code 444. That's the number 4, F-O-R, the number 4, to let them know that we sent you. So you're kind of glossed over everything here. E-40 featuring Keek a Sneak and my ghetto report card are a couple of things that I missed back in 2006. So thank you for introducing me to this, <laughs> oh, man, this important is, this piece is, of musical history. This is a classic right here. Yeah, and it's on the Spotify playlist, right? Where we'll live forever. Yeah, man. Good, good. Sometime, sometime, millions of years, they'll find life still here on Earth listening our, to Our digital time capsule. Yeah, sneak a deek. <laughs> Keek a sneak. Keek the sneak. There we go. Excuse me. So this week we have our week nine value plays and our theory segment is taking advantage of late swapping, which is very, very important. Yep. Also we- right now you can sign up with the promo code DFS MVP for 25% off the already discounted price and get access to our discord channel with a sub price dropped to 49 bucks. Are you kidding me? $49? Yeah, yeah, we had our our, our big uh, Halloween sale. That was fantastic. And I told you guys last week to look for it on Twitter. We had it for, for two days. You can get it for 24 bucks. But if you missed out, you can still get 25% off of our second half season price, $49. Um, but it's not even really second half yet. It's second half of, of the regular season after this week. But we still go through championship rounds. So we have... We have a cool three months left in DFS. You get a little extra value on that compared to just a uh, a redraft sub. Yeah, I just was about to say that. Like we're halfway through the regular season, mm-hmm. unless we can add a number uh, like a week eighteen. Yeah, we're I, I would. Here. Yeah, and I would argue that you even get a little uh, extra value on the second half because we get a couple. Uh, we get a couple extra slates that we'll play. We'll get the Thanksgiving slate. Uh, I think we get like a full Saturday slate, the the, the uh, second to last week of the season. So there'll be a couple bonus, uh, some bonus content, maybe a bonus episode or two coming up uh, with the with the holiday season because we get a couple extra slates. So it's it's getting fun. Oh yeah, halfway through the regular season, but you're getting yeah. what sixty percent of the content. Still. Yeah, yeah, for DFS. the second half. Yes, the playoffs. There really is a lot of money to be made. 
Yeah. And there's so many different slates. And then you can play all, what is it, four games? Yeah, I think that like the, the three or four game slates are like yeah. my, they're my favorite sized slates. <laughs> um, because like you, you kind of like if you're playing main slate, uh, you, you can definitely get, uh, it can be overwhelming to play all the slates. But like that Thanksgiving slate or like those wild card weekend slates. Uh, I, I just like that four game size or three game size because it's like you don't have to go with like like in showdown you're just whoever the dart throw that uh, the wide receiver five or whatever changes the slate but like those four game slates are just big enough where they're really fun so we're getting ahead of ourselves but uh, I mean I, I kind of just started thinking about like Thanksgiving Thursday slate today so I'm kind of oh, getting pumped man. up about it yeah I'm going uh, on a three and a half hour flight with two little kids Oof. So that's going to be fun. <laughs> it's probably going to be my first sober Thanksgiving since I was about six. Show them, how to, show them how to build lineups on the plane. Yeah, that's... Dude, I, I would if that guaranteed them going to sleep. <laughs> that would be so awesome. Let's get into the core plays here. Let's do it. Justin Herbert, 7,900 Fandle, 6,800 on DK. Taking on the Las Vegas Raiders, who are, what, 27th in past DVOA? Yep. And now we got a guy. You know what? He's one of seven quarterbacks averaging 24 or more standard points. So this guy is a legit top seven QB. Yeah, uh, he is been been insanely efficient uh six in fantasy points per pass attempt and and we have the the big dogs on on the slate we got the russell wilson we have the uh the the patrick mahomes we have the kyler murray but uh we're getting similar efficiency uh at least through the air from from herbert at a, a pretty big discount to those guys so with that he is the top value uh on our value reports at four for four for both FanDuel and DraftKings. This game sets up to, to be the most likely shootout, at least in terms of the, the games with the high over-unders and a close point spread. We have a 53.5 point over-under with a spread of just 1.5 in favor of the Chargers. That gives them an implied point total just under 28 points. Uh, you mentioned the Raiders' DVOA, uh, bottom 10 in the league. Going into last week, 4 for 4 actually had... Las Vegas ranked as a bottom 10 defense and schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to every skill position. Uh, they, they had their rankings bumped up a little bit last week, but you have to take that with the grain of salt a little bit because they were playing in that uh, monsoon basically in, in Cleveland. Uh, so I, this defense is, is worse than their fantasy stats, including last week um, shows on paper. So Justin Herbert in a really good matchup here. And this there, there's a little push and pull in this game. Uh, both of these teams are, are pretty run heavy, both top 10 in rushing rate in neutral game script. Raiders top three in rushing rate in neutral game script. But on the flip side of it, we have defenses that have been thrown against quite a bit. Um, both of these teams have, have faced passing rates in neutral game script at a top 10 rate, um, especially high against the Raiders. So I, I think both offenses get away from their general game plan a little bit to take advantage of the defenses, especially when you look at the Raiders who... Uh, as bad as they are at covering wide receivers, they're just as bad at getting after the passer. They uh, have the third lowest adjusted sack rate, according to Football Outsiders, and that's one we've we've really been harping on 
this year is that adjusted sack rate. It's it's not a coincidence that those quarterbacks that have been facing bad defensive lines have good games, even uh, if the secondary isn't awful. Hmm. That's interesting. I'm kind of looking at that uh, that Seattle-Buffalo game when oh, it comes man. to pressure. And Buffalo loves blitzing, too. Yeah. I think Russell Wilson's just going to eat them alive. But we're not here to talk about that game. We got somebody else for cash. He's got a nice floor. He's facing one of the three worst teams against the pass. And he runs for, what, about uh, 25 yards a week? It's not bad. Deshaun Watson, 8,300 on Fandle, 7,100 on DK in Jacksonville, TJ. Deshaun Watson, if you look at his numbers, they're almost identical to Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's getting all the pub because he's the the shiny new toy. And then, of course, you got Russ and Mahomes getting all the love because they're Russ and Mahomes. And Watson is, like, right there with these guys in, in basically every single category but people just aren't excited about the Texans. So Watson flying a little bit under the radar, and that's that's reflected in his salary a little bit. 8,300 Fandle, 7,100 DraftKings. Uh, in a game where Houston is favored by seven, they have the third highest implied point total on the slate. And speaking of Watson, like having similar numbers to these other guys, you can argue that Watson is actually playing the best quarterback in the league over the last month four straight 300 yard games uh those four games tie him for second on the season in terms of 300 yard games and in that span he's fourth in fantasy points per game only kyler the aforementioned herbert and russell wilson are averaging more since watson started that stretch so he gets another quality matchup this week against jacksonville who ranks uh second worst in adjusted sack rate just like i talked about with herbert Watson is kind of the one that got us on this train. You remember those first three weeks he faced mm-hmm. uh, a murderous row of defenses, and then all of a sudden he started facing these defenses that can't get after the passer, and he just starts going nuts. It's it's not a coincidence, and Jacksonville is as bad as any defense getting after the passer, and the Texans' uh, highest neutral passing rate on the slate, so they're going to let Watson sling it, and he has the weapons to do it um, against the Jacksonville defense that has allowed the third most 300-yard games this year. Before we get to uh, the running back position, Mm -hmm. I have to take a complete left turn Mm -hmm. because I was having a conversation with a couple SoCal guys, and they say that SoCal Mexican food is better than actual Mexican Mexican food (laughs) from Mexico. (laughs) Now, you you live down in San Diego. Can you settle this argument? I mean... What's better? I, 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 it's pretty hard to say anything is better than the authentic version. Yeah. But, but. I don't know if you could find... A, I was I was trying to... Before we started the podcast, I was scrolling Yelp trying to figure out what to eat. And a California burrito and Al Pastor, or an Al Pastor taco from, from in San Diego. Like, I don't know if you could find anything better, man. It's... Uh, it's it might be like the best go-to food possible. See, that's like just, if you're talking quick go-to man. food. Like obviously, you know, there you can find some five-star restaurants. You're gonna find some nice meals in a lot of cities, a lot of good food towns. But I mean, if you're hungry now, you don't want to go sit down and you need something to eat. A California burrito, man, forget about it. Like fish tacos were great oh. in both countries, though. Like oh yeah, you can't go wrong. I mean, fish tacos the best. But San Diego has the best fish tacos in the oh. world. It's We're just so not, spoiled. There's nowhere else. Yeah, it, it, so and spoiled. it's not even close. 
It's not. Yeah, like they can try and do it up in the Pacific Northwest with the cod and everything like that. It's just not the same. Yeah, I'll 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 have a beer talk. I'll I'll uh yeah. I'll let people have their IPA, you know, little discussion or whatever, but uh don't battle me on the fish tacos, man. Okay. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna win that one every time. Uh, Dalvin Cook is the fish tacos <laughs> of running backs this week. <laughs> My man. He's ninety three hundred on FanDuel. He's eighty two hundred on DraftKings going up against Detroit and we're not expecting him to hit the 50 burger again, but no. great matchup. Tons of work coming his way. He's worth paying up for. Yeah, even if we like even if he didn't score four touchdowns last week, the thing that we were really looking for was how is he going to not necessarily even play, but be used coming off of the injury, uh, missed a week and then got the bye week to recover and Really, if again, just to like late plug for our discord, uh, Dalvin wasn't somebody that I wrote up and he wasn't somebody we talked about on the podcast last week, despite the good matchup against the Packers. But really late on Sunday, like they were saying he's going to start, but really late on Sunday, a report came out, I would say like an hour before kickoff that like Dalvin's ready for a full mm-hmm. workload. So as soon as that happened, jumped on Discord, people said, he's a, is he a good play? Yes, he was a good play. Uh, ended up with a lot of people using Devontae Dalvin combo lineups. Uh, so again, that Discord's super important there just for that like like late, reaction but uh the point is we wanted to see if he was going to get the workload he's not going to get 32 touches like he does like every week like he did last week he's not going to see 68 percent of the vikings touches every week they're in a crazy good game script but the point is they used him in that like maximum bell cow role coming right out of the bye that's what we wanted to see so even if he only even if he didn't score last week he's still going to be our top value in this spot especially when our other payup running backs um aren't necessarily like in ideal spots christian mccaffrey we don't know what we're going to get out of him sounding like he's going to play but you know i don't think you're anybody's going to just pay it all the way up for CMC in his first game back, and then Derrick Henry in a tough spot against Chicago. So there's enough value at all the positions where we can pay up for running back. So we want to be able to pay up for that workhorse um, when possible. And even if Minnesota isn't in a crazy good game script like they were last week, they still run at the highest rate in neutral game script. Uh, Going into the week, going into today, they were favored by four. Uh, before we started recording this podcast, Matthew Stafford went on the reserve COVID list. That game got taken off the board. Stafford can still play if he has negative two negative tests. I don't know the exact verbiage of it, but he's not completely out. But the point is, if he is out, I would assume that that line moves even more in favor of Minnesota, maybe like to, to seven or something. So that just sets up even more, uh, for for a Dalvin game if they if they are even bigger favorites. The Lions last in success rate versus the run, 30th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed versus running backs. A little bit of a running back funnel um, as they rank 13th against quarterbacks and 10th against wide receivers. So really giving up on the ground. That's why we have Dalvin as our top value on both FanDuel and DraftKings. Yeah, my cash had Dalvin, Metcalf, and Kamara and literally <laughs> I must have had like 30 points from the rest of the team. The Kamara, the little catch and run that play at the end of the Saints game, I think it got him like 20. It's the only reason why I cashed. That was a uh, – I I try not to sweat my games, um, especially in the early games, just because so much can change. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Kamara, 
I, I was actually sweating Camara because I had him in some spots where it looked like I could hit pretty big, and he was like right around a hundred total yards going into halftime, and then like for the next quarter and a half, I think he had like one total yard. Um, so it was just one of those ugly sweats fell out of cashing everything, and then that catch had me cashing everything again. It was a crazy week, man. It was a crazy. Well, the week before was one eighty to yeah, cash, yeah, yeah, and last week was probably what one oh five in double ups. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you knew yeah. we knew that though. We talked <laughs> yeah, about for it. Sure. Yep, it's for like sure you just did. you never want to envision you never want to put a lineup together though saying okay if I get one hundred and twenty points this week I'm going to win. No, but but it is important for us to be able to. Um, kind of accurately anticipate how those weeks are going to go because like you're it's not going to change your your cash approach too much but uh it could definitely change like how how much you're changing your variance and gpp lineups like you're not it's obviously we can't predict perfectly but we can have a pretty good idea of the spots where like it's going to be a it seems like it should be a really good cash week or or spots where it might not be a good cash week or or a chalk week i should say um and when you expect the latter when you don't expect to be a good chalk week when you are a little more contrarian in the field that's uh that's when you have big weeks and and i mean that's just that could be as simple as just like calculating your average ownership on your lineups mm -hmm. um you know you might be towards the high end like average 15 percent one week and then the next week you might have a lot of lineups that are like around 10 percent or something like that um, I am probably going to be in the vast minority here. Hey, did we talk about Kyler Murray? Were you the one that said he's like the running back and he can just score at the goal line? I don't know if you said that. Someone um, else I, said I, I've definitely said that this year. Okay, so <laughs> I just all I'm now nervous about Chase Edmonds because mm -hmm. Kyler Murray is the red zone running sure. back, basically, right? Yep. 6,700 Fanduel for Edmonds, 6,800 DK. So they're taking on Miami. Um, this, you know, and, and the, all oh, the Cardinals just going to go in there. They're going to murder them. Then they're going to run a whole bunch. So tell me why I should play chase Edmonds on FanDuel. Cause I don't think he's, he's a lock for a touchdown. Like a lot of the industry saying right now, early in the week. And then on DK, I get it. Cause at least he's a pass catcher, but I don't love the price. Sure. I mean, I, I think it's kind of like, let's just kind of reverse engineer um mm -hmm. where we're going to save money so even if you don't love Edmonds, uh the only reason i didn't want to put in dj dallas is because there's a chance by the time this podcast is published or, or by the time people are listening to it on saturday or sunday to build their lineups that that hyde or carson are, are declared active so um that that play could blow up so if if we knew for sure dj dallas was the starter he would be my top value like he would be the salary saver but we don't know that for sure yet um, and then James Robinson, I love him against Houston. He's a seven-point underdog. Uh, after that, it's like, where are we going to save our salary? Are you going to trust David Montgomery? Um, are you going to trust David Johnson? Are you going to trust Matt Breda if we don't even know what the split's going to be there? Uh, it just gets really ugly really fast. So with, with Chase Edmonds, we know that he's going to be the, the main guy, if not the only guy, in a spot where uh, – him and Kenyon Drake were combining for 26 touches per game. The knock on Drake was he was already, he was getting 20 touches per game. The problem is he was getting, well, the problem was you mentioned part of the problem. A lot of the, the rushing touchdowns going to, uh, to Kyler, but he was losing. He was getting almost no passing work. He was losing a lot of that to Edmund. So 
the line of logic would be that Edmonds is going to absorb most of those 20 touches that Kyler was, I mean, that um, Kenyon Drake was getting while maintaining his high usage in the passing game, which Drake wasn't getting. So I would argue that Edmonds has a much higher floor than Drake. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Miami is a run funnel. They rank six in fantasy points when adjusted for strength of schedule against quarterback. They're in 24th against running backs. Uh, and then another thing that I think actually helps at the very least Edmonds reception floor, Miami ranks second in pressure rate. And every quarterback is going to be worse against pressure. That's obvious. Like it's everyone's going to have bad splits, but Kyler Murray has atrocious splits when he faces pressure. His on target percentage drops overall drops from like 76% to 52%. Uh, His yards per attempt drops by over two yards. Um, His, his just positive plays overall is like under 33%. So if he's struggling against pressure, he's going to do one of two things. He's going to run, which he could obviously do we saw him do it in week two against washington had a pretty big rush day i think he had two two rushing touchdowns and that was the only defense that i would say is even comparable to to miami obviously washington's better than miami but um or maybe as good as miami but they haven't really faced another front seven like that uh and if he doesn't run he's gonna have to uh, throw it short and that should help Edmonds out. So, um, I, I mean, I think with, with Drake out, it just clarifies things a little bit for that backfield. Uh, and I think that Kyler, when he is throwing probably isn't going to have a lot of time to chuck it downfield to, to Kirk or even Hopkins. So we move on to the wide receiver position and this would be if Calvin Ridley is out, mm-hmm. right? Yes or no for Julio Jones? Does Ridley have to be out for this? 8,200 FanDuel, 7,200 DK against Denver. Yay, it's Julio Jones Chalk Week. I would say if Calvin Ridley plays, Julio Jones is probably still cash viable, Mm -hmm. but you can make the argument that you pivot to uh, a Tyler Lockett or Keenan Allen or Stephon Diggs over him. Um, But I I wouldn't expect Ridley to just be at full health to be a hundred percent. We've already seen Julio out targeting Ridley, even before Ridley got hurt uh, last week. Uh, we Julio out targeted him the previous two games. Julio has seen 10 plus targets in two of the last three games. So since Julio's come back, he's been the Julio we're expecting. Now, obviously if Ridley's out Julio, it, it is Julio chalk week. Um, and I, I don't think you can make the argument for anybody in his price range over him, even Tyler Lockett, even Keenan Allen. When we obviously things were a little bit different last year, but when we saw Calvin Ridley out for the last three games of the season last year, Julio averaged 16 targets to close out the season. That's just uh, massive. And we've seen Julio get that kind of target share when he is the solo guy on this offense. Like we're no, if anybody's capable of a 15 target game, it's Julio Jones. Uh, so this game, it has, I wouldn't say sneaky shootout potential because the over-under is 50, but I think it will be overlooked as a shootout game and, and, and passing games to target uh, regardless of Ridley being out. Teams have thrown against Denver at the fourth highest rate in neutral game script this year. And so although Atlanta isn't top two or three in passing rate neutral script like they were last season, uh, they're right around like midway, middle of the league in that that uh, category. They could be up around that 65% p- 
passing percentage this week against Denver. So as of now, we don't have uh, Ridley projected for points on the site. So we have Julio bumped up to the top value on both sides right now. I was looking back at my cash lineups this this year. Through the first eight weeks, I had Terry McLaurin mm. on four of those eight weeks. So 7,200 FanDuel, 6,500 DraftKings. Not only is there a floor, there's a ceiling. Yeah. And um, I mean, that's, huh? He's a baller. Yeah, and he's going up against the Giants, and he's just a badass is all there can, is to it. Can we officially put him in the quarterback proof category? Is he... Is he in? Yes. In that he is. Lock right? him in. You have like, to, right? I think he's like better than Allen. Well, I don't want to say better than Allen Robinson, but he's kind of reminds me of Allen Robinson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's yeah, he's he's doing right now what Allen Robinson did two or three years ago with bad quarterback play for a really extended Bortles. period of time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, on, this is like this mini stretch is honestly probably the the worst we've seen of of a rob he's always survived on volume um bears are just a full-on dumpster fire right now but anyway terry mclaurin is still not priced up in terms of that elite tier he's still kind of uh in that mid-tier lower wide receiver one tier but his volume is is elite alpha wide receiver one he's priced at 7200 on fandle 6500 on DraftKings. Six in targets per game, just under 10 targets per game. Third in the league in target share, one of three players with a target share of at least 30%. And you meant that's that's floor stats. You talked about the upside. One of 13 players averaging at, less, at least seven targets per game. Where does upside come from? Deep targets, end zone targets. Of those players, at least seven targets per game, one of only 13 with an average depth of target of at least 10 yards. Uh, the Giants... When we adjust for strength of schedule, they rank 21st in wide receiver points allowed. You might say, oh, McLaurin's going to get shadowed by Bradbury. Uh, they've already played them once this year. The, the Washington has already played the Giants in that game. Bradbury played. McLaurin moves around the formation, so Bradley probably isn't going to travel with them everywhere, especially inside. Uh, inside. McLaurin, 12 targets in that game, 774 line, no touchdown, but... Uh, if you go into a game saying a player is going to get you 774 and you're not sure about the touchdown, that's a, a pretty good starting point. Mm. Uh, this is, I'm thinking, a matchup-based play yeah. that uh, has a really talented player. To Jerry Judy, Judy of the Broncos, 5,700 Fandle, 4,700 DK at Atlanta. And, boy, you love the matchup against the cornerback, huh? <laughs> yeah, I like finding uh, – I always like finding one or two cornerbacks a year that uh, we can just pick on every week. We had Jonathan Joseph, and he got cut. So maybe the Titans are listening to this podcast or he just played really bad. Um, so now we have to – we only have Kendall Sheffield to pick on. He's the only cornerback playing this week that's ranked in the bottom 10 in target rate. That's targets per snap, and he's – uh, the he's the only one ranked in the bottom 10 there and in the bottom 10 in yards per target allowed. So he's getting targeted a lot, and when they throw it at him, they're gaining a lot of yards. So that's a really good combination. And Jerry Judy is priced below 6000 on Fandle, 5700 uh, priced at 4700 on DraftKings. He saw his first 10-target game of the season last week, so maybe this is where he has his big rookie breakout. I mentioned this game being a sneaky shootout, sneaky pass-heavy when talking about Julio. Teams throw against 
Denver at a very high rate. Th- teams also throw against Atlanta at a very high rate. The Falcons face the sixth highest passing rate from opponents in neutral game script. And even um, just as a whole, not just Sheffield, ranked 22nd overall against wide receivers. Before we get to Darren Waller, I mean, since we're talking about the Broncos, why wouldn't you take Albert Akue Boonham over Noah Fant, given that his name is so awesome? Well, um, Noah Fant is kind of still the the obvious main guy there. He's still seen. Uh, he's coming off of a game where I think he saw nine targets. He's averaging mm-hmm. seven targets per game on the season. And he is a rare breed of, in terms of tight end. Actually, with Kittle out now and Ertz now, there's only three tight ends left that are averaging at least seven targets per game. Waller, Kittle, Noah Fant. And so what is he, argue, sixth? What's that? He's in sixth in target rate, right? He's got 20% of their targets, and he's been hurt. Right. But... <laughs> Right, came back, but when he's when he's healthy, he's averaging seven targets per game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, on the season, his his target share is a little bit low, but we saw him right around that twenty five percent share last week. Um, and on top of his seven targets per game, of that small group that's that's getting a lot of targets, average depth of target of seven point six yards. So they're pushing it a little bit more downfield when they target Fant than when they um target Albert O. So we don't want those like dink and dunks. Obviously volume's great, but if we could combine the volume with the uh the downfield throws then uh that that that's heaven for us. And Atlanta last in schedule adjusted points allowed to opposing tight ends. So like I said, kind of uh, with uh, with Jerry Judy, with Julio, this is a game that sets up for a, a lot of a lot more passing than I think people are, are going to expect. We got Darren Waller uh, as, as the chalk here, 6,400 FanDuel, 5,800 DraftKings at the Chargers, 33% red zone tar- of their red zone targets there. And, you know, we were so upset because he wasn't scoring that much last year. He scored yep. in two or three. This guy is just... Now, now, let me ask you this, because I for just because I had a couple extra minutes, I went back and looked at his games, his two games against the Chargers last year. Didn't really do too much. Would you take that into account at all? I, I mean, I have to have like some overwhelming evidence of why um, a player is going to play particularly bad versus a particular team. I mean, you mentioned with Waller, like it's it's kind of hard to look at anything that he was doing last year in terms of fantasy points. Obviously, his volume was through the roof, and he was playing great. Um, but like you said, he wasn't getting used around the red zone near the goal line um, really at all. He, he was. It was one of the reasons I was trepidatious about targeting him in redraft because the volume was there, but it's not like he wasn't necessarily due for touchdown regression because he wasn't getting opportunities that would point to regression. They weren't throwing it adam near the goal line this year they are he's he's actually tied with kelsey um in end zone targets you mentioned the red zone target share so it's not even just the red zone targets the end zone targets those are even more valuable and then just from an overall volume standpoint i mean him and kelsey are are basically uh lapping the field uh darren waller most targets per game just under nine highest target share among tight ends just under 28 percent and compare him to Kelsey, who's also on this slate. You're getting Waller on FanDuel, $1,600 cheaper. On DraftKings, $1,400 cheaper. So, I mean, 
obviously Kelsey in the best offense in the league, except for maybe the Seahawks, um, as the primary target in a blow-up spot again. So he, he gets the edge there, but then Waller gets to play against a Chargers defense that ranks 29th when adjusted for strength of schedule against tight ends. So um, I, I don't think Kelsey's like a slam dunk over Waller, so the discount makes it uh, kind of obvious, at least in cash this week. Defense, before we get to the two that you focused, will you have any Steelers at 4,900 mm-hmm. on DK? Yes, I'm going to somehow. I mean, I'm definitely going to have, um, not in cash games, but, I mean, James Conner's a fantastic play. I, I'd never force defense and uh, and running back, but when the when it's there, uh, I'm, I'm going to use it. Uh, you have to have some exposure to a defense that's favored by 13 and a half or whatever the hell it is against um we don't even know who the quarterback is this is so this is like so indicative of how crazy this game is quarterbacks the most i don't know a lot about sports betting i do know that quarterback is the most important position when it comes to moving the lines in nfl and i also know that anytime there's any question about a quarterback they take that almost always take that game off the books the Cowboys said that Danucci isn't starting and they don't know what quarterback's going to start. And the sports books didn't even touch it. They're like, yeah, whatever. Steelers are still favored by 14. So it doesn't matter who starts for the Cowboys. Steelers get after it. Um, they're the best uh, pass rush defense in the league. A uh, little shaky uh, in covering wide receivers, but I don't think that's going to matter. So, yeah, um, I'm definitely going to have uh, some some Steelers action. Uh, Vikings 3,400 FanDuel 2,400 DK taken on Detroit. Why not? If Stafford doesn't start, right? Yeah. Um, like I said, went into the game as four point favorites. If Stafford, um, is officially out, I I would guess that moves it to at least close to a touchdown. Um, Detroit is, uh, they allow the ninth highest adjusted sack rate. And like you said, if we get, uh, who is it, Chase Daniel? If we get Chase Daniel uh, yeah. back up behind a, a bad offensive line, then that, that's really good. But, I mean, I guess the only, like, I'm not going to say it's obviously Stafford has a better chance of playing well against the Vikings. I would say that the Vikings might mo- lose some of their ceiling as a tournament play if Stafford is out just because of the chance that Detroit just runs it 90% of the time, that's obviously exaggerating, but just crazy run high uh, offense if Stafford is out. So um, I might be a little trepidatious about Vikings as a tournament defense if Stafford's out, which might be a little counterintuitive. Houston Texans going up against the Jags, 3,700 FanDuel, 3,100 DraftKings. No no more Minshew Mania. I mean – Come on, no more Metro Mania. So I, I always like to. I, I don't have. I actually don't have hard numbers for this, and it's probably something that um, I should look into a little deeper. But I, I just feel like it's always a good idea to go after a quarterback making his first start in the NFL, um, regardless of who the opposing defense is. Now this sets up as a great opportunity to take advantage of that because the Texans are favored by seven and Jacksonville's last in adjusted sack rate allowed. And Houston's pretty good at getting after the passer themselves. They're the top third of the league in, um, in pressure rate. So, I mean, I don't know much about, is it Lutton or Luton? Jake Luton. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know much about him, but he was backing up Gardner Minshew and Gardner Minshew wasn't that great to begin with. So uh, bad Jacksonville team, good, 
Uh, good spot for the Texans. Poor James Robinson. I know. It's going to be tough this week, man, even with that matchup. Well, hopefully you get involved in the passing game. Just check down to him 30 times. Possibly. So, my friend, we just went through the core plays, and now it's on to tell you about snake drafts because we all love them. And we love big prizes, but we don't all love the big entry fees of the multi-week contest. I mean, TJ does. He's fine with the big entry fees. I'm just like, eh, medium entry fees, fine with me. So Underdog Fantasy just, and he plays the mediums too, obviously. Underdog Fantasy just released an all-new format for their snake drafts. It's called Battle Royale. Now in this Battle Royale, you draft a one-week team like you normally would, but instead of competing against other teams in your draft, you compete with teams from other drafts. How about that? You're on a team with people you don't even know. Is that right, TJ? You don't even yeah, know man. these people. It's amazing. It's fun, too. So, and it's fun, and you can win. winning money is fun, too. Pull, you can pull together the prizes. They get big tournament-style payouts. They keep the live snake draft format, though. If you think it's your week, you can draft the best team. Try Battle Royale. You get the big upside of a normal snake draft. Cannot. Prizes that used to only be attainable in season-longer salary cap tournaments. The first Battle Royale is already up. Underdog app and website is where it is. Five dollars to enter, twenty-five thousand dollar prize pool, and it pays out five grand to first place. Let's get to our game theory segment here, and we're going to talk about taking advantage of the late swap. Okay, and there's a lot of different reasons to do it. Before we even get into it, though, and I know we're going to talk about a GPP. How often do you remember late swapping in cash? Every week. Every week you late swap. Every single week. You late swap in cash every week. I I look to see if I need to every week. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. It's as soon as, like, um, I'm on the West Coast, so as soon as it's 1230, um, I don't I don't s- score watch. It's a, I, I don't scoreboard watch. It's a nightmare. But I, I do open my app and see where my teams are, are at roughly. And... I always, I'm always in my, the way I play cash games. I play mostly head to heads, but I have, um, I have it in, I have my lineups in 50 fifties, double ups, uh, triple ups, and then some 10 X for upside. And then some small, we've talked about this a million times, single entries or winner take all or something like that. So, I mean, I, even if there's three and we'll get into this more like the, the specifics of this, but I quick glance to see where those are at. And that lets me know if I need to start doing some some moving. Okay, very good. So what happened with Late Swap this week? What did you find yeah, out sh- from your public poll? Because you had a huge <laughs> yeah. Twitter poll. Dude. Um, so if before we get into everything, I do want to say, if you're a longtime listener of DFS MVP, this is going to be almost a carbon copy of our week six theory segment from last year. But I put a poll out on Twitter Um after I did, as I was doing my, my weekly recap uh, this week for TJ's Takes, where we look at the Sunday Million on FanDuel and the um, Millionaire on DraftKings. And a big part of the Sunday Million was a late swap. So kind of reminded me, we've talked about this a bunch, like how often are people late swapping? And obviously, if our my sample is just my Twitter followers and whoever sees it through a retweet or whatever, but we got, I got pretty good turnout. And basically I, I, I said, are, um, are you using, and I broke it up into cash and GPP, two different polls, but the, the results were almost exactly the same. I said, are you 
are you how are you managing late swap and i broke it up into four categories i'm using it every week i'm never using it um i know i should use it more but i don't which is probably most people and the last one was why would i use it if i don't have any injury injury concerns i formatted the question of how often are you using it without injury concerns or questionable tags the last one was how much do you why would i ever use it without injury concerns so basically less than 10% of people that answered the poll said they're using it every week for both GPPs and cash. Almost equal amount of people, about 10% said, why would I use it if I don't uh, have injury concerns? And then 40% admitted to basically never using it. And then another 40% said they should, but don't. So basically like the people that you would expect, the people that are following for, for the people that are on DFS Twitter, those are like outside of people that do this for a living. That's pro that sample size is probably going to trend more towards like a sharper DFS player than the average person you run into on the street that knows about FanDuel or DraftKings. So if less than 10% of people that are answering my Twitter poll are admitting that they're not using it every week, the real number is probably like 1% of users that are actually using it every week. So the reason I think it's worth redoing this same exact segment that we've done before is because there's a massive edge to be had just by like doing this. Any dummy can sign up for a website, click optimize and play that lineup. It's not going to be optimal strategy. And that lineup isn't going to win over the long term, but it's going to be better than a lineup is without it. Somebody that doesn't have any projections. So it's like it's it's pretty hard to find an edge just from the information we give from looking at a value report. Um, like people are good at NFL DFS. Like the average user is is pretty decent, and the best players are, are pushing like a a very thin margin. They're winning at a sixty percent clip. You're 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 a little bit better than a coin flip to win if you're one of the best players in the world. Um, so we have to take advantage of these spots where there's massive edge, where there's huge opportunity. And late swap is probably the most obvious one that be besides game selection that people aren't using. So what happened this week and was on FanDuel, the winner used DJ Dallas. And the reason I was pretty sure that it was a late swap is because their lineup added up to um, Coleman 59,400, 59,400. So they left $600 on the table, which is almost no one does on, on main slates. So they also had DK Metcalf on their team and Keenan Allen on their team. So I'm assuming that they left enough salary to where if the Seattle running backs were declared out, both Carson and, um, Carlos Hyde that they were going to switch to DJ Dallas and they did that. So like, I'm, I'm pretty sure they swapped to Dallas and that's why there was $600 on the table. And with that DJ Dallas ended up like in less than 2% of lineups and it pushed that ownership percentage down to, I think it was 9.4 average ownership, which is crazy low for FanDuel, not crazy low for DraftKings, but on FanDuel that 9.4 average ownership percentage is insanely low. So the, the, smart thing that the the user did that won the sunday million is they left flexibility for dj dallas and then they made the swap so they got a unique lineup with dj dallas because he was low owned and then doubled 
down on the unique lineup because they had a lineup that had a salary with $600 left on the table, which almost no one is doing in, in main slates. And I'm not saying you should like go out and be making lineups that are leaving $500, $600 on the table. We've pretty much shown that that's not optimal. But in these spots where there is a injury concern on the late game, um, you're, you're not like necessarily forcing that $600 of savings, it just the the way whoever you your placeholder was, um, that's how it worked out. So that's like the the most obvious um, way for that's like anybody that plays any fantasy understands that, right? Like even if you're in redraft, you know that like you're going to have if a player is playing on Monday night and they're in your flex, you're like, okay, I need somebody to switch. Like everyone knows that strategy. So I think that's just what most people think it's for when they play DFS. Okay. Well, that's a good clarification. So then you went through your public poll and let's talk about injuries though. Yeah. Right. So we had DJ Dallas and that was really the injury situation yep. there. It's the most obvious reason, but what's another fairly popular reason to use the late swap besides for the injuries? Yeah. So I, I like I said, I, I, I would assume that anybody that is even has an account understands the, the injury implications of late swap. Um, this one isn't, might not be as obvious to the new user, but it's definitely the second most popular reason that people are using late swap. And it's, it's pretty simple. Uh, it's when you own the only way you could win a GPP is by, by swapping. So, uh, the, the various obvious example and the, or the classic example is, uh, you have one player left on the the late slate and just call it an expensive running back because that's where the there's there's going to be the least amount of of options in that price range so eight of your players already played you have um let's call them, let's say derrick henry at 9500 left and your team your first eight players went bonkers um and you're you're second in a gpp you look at the team that's in first place their team went bonkers they're slightly ahead of you and you look at you add up their salary. They have ninety five hundred dollars left in their running back slot. Especially if it's in a spot where there's not even another player that's priced that high, you know for a fact that that guy has Derrick Henry, right? So the only way to win GPP is to swap. Um, and that's another reason you should be at least checking your lineups, not just like not looking at them at all. Um, if you are in that situation, like you want to give yourself, or at least see if you want to give yourself the chance to jump into first place. Um, so I, I, I think that's a pretty obvious spot there. Um, obviously not going to come up a ton because it's pretty hard to be in second in a GPP, but it is something you should definitely be aware of uh, and something you want to give yourself a chance to do. But that was the whole thing. Like, uh-oh, if I swap, that's it. I'm going to kill my chances to do it anyways. <laughs> it's not a safe play. You, you're saying so you're saying like if if you swap you could lose ground yeah i mean that like everything you just said makes sense but mm -hmm. there would be some says hey uh if you swap you don't have a chance you know falling down the leaderboard yeah. if you swap to a worse play right right so the 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 very very obvious scenario that i just talked about is if you're playing like if you're playing in the millionaire or the sunday million um 
or if you're playing in a qualifier that only pays out like qualifiers only pay out one position or not only pay out one position but it's like you get a seat to the championship and then second place gets like 500 bucks you're always going to swap in those scenarios right because you're literally only playing for first in those tournaments um, or in another tournament where the drop off from first to second is like a hundred thousand dollars to like five thousand dollars like whatever dude like sure it's playing for five like five thousand dollars five thousand dollars but if the jump is a hundred thousand dollar jump you're gonna make the switch um so what you're talking about is probably the situation that most people are going to find themselves in when the scenario comes up it's not going to be the most common scenario to use late swap but it's going to be the most likely scenario for the average user to find themselves in when they are doing well in a gpp so most gpps aren't going to be the millionaire aren't going to be a qualifier most of them are going to be in a situation that you're talking about where like sure the guy's in first and we both have 9500 dollars derrick henry but he could win $10,000. I can't catch him, but if I stay here, I win $5,000. Maybe it's like a $50 buy-in or something like that. But if I swap off of Derrick Henry and he has a good game and whoever I swap to doesn't have a good game, I might end up in 20th place and I might only win $100. That's, the, that's a conundrum that most people are going to have. So um, there isn't one cut and dry answer. There's a lot of factors that I'm, uh, you should consider. Uh, so I'm not, you're not going to walk away from this podcast knowing what to do in every situation, but at least you'll know the things you have to consider. So the first thing you want to know is like how, how flat is the payout structure, right? If it's a super flat payout structure, um, you might, you're probably going to be more likely just to, to stay on your guy because there's no point in like jumping up, like I said, from, from 5,000 to 10,000. Sure, you might win another $10,000, but like why tumble down to $200? Um, you also want to look at how much player minutes are behind you. So if if it's only like one game left, if if you're playing maybe on Yahoo or something where there um, it includes Sunday night, and you're playing in something like a 500 man tournament, you might not need to late swap because there just might not be that many players left to go in that game. Whereas if you're playing a main slate on FanDuel or DraftKings and there's say three or four games in that afternoon slot and sure you might have one player left and you're in um you're in second place but if all of these players have behind you have four or five players left to go and they're those four or five players left to go are already like top 20 like they're probably going to catch you so even though you're tech you're in second right now like four players are probably going to outscore your Derrick Henry. So like, why not throw a Hail Mary and try to stay there? Um, how chalky is the player that you have left? If Derrick Henry is in a week where you expect him to be 50% owned, then compared to when he's 10% owned, you're going to have a very different um, decision to make because maybe that guy in front of you doesn't have Derrick Henry when he's 10% on, but he's way more likely to have him when he's 50% on. So you want to be looking, uh, you want to be anticipating ownership percentage. If you're, if you're building a lot of lineups and you're looking at things like um, our ownership projections, you should have a pretty good um, idea of that. And then how, how realistic is your first place shot? Like it's not just you're in, you're in second and the guy's in first. If he's in first by, 45 points 
like you might as well just stay on Derrick Henry because the chances of Derrick Henry or whoever you swap to having a 50 point game, like you're probably not going to catch that guy. So it might be better just to not get off of a chalk play in that situation. If it's something like where it's insurmountable, like sure, maybe a 30 point game, you make the decision. But if it's, if it's a 50 point gap, like you're talking about a one every five year chance. Um, So I, I, that's something you have to take into account as well. Like the gap between you and first place and then, like, are you playing multi-entry? Um, if it's a single-entry tournament, you're gonna have, you're not gonna be able to hedge your decision with other lineups that include that same player. Whereas if you're if you're playing something where you have 150 lineups, maybe you can stay on Derrick Henry in your second place lineup, but swap to another running back in your 20th place lineup, or vice versa. Uh, so, I mean, those are the things that are going to come into play. Again, um, it's not a perfect answer, but there are things that you should be considering, and it's why this this late swap in that specific situation turns into a little bit more art than science. So besides the injuries or a chance of the GPP, right? Mm-hmm. Well, why would anyone else use the late swap then? What's the common so reason? This is the most common reason, but also the most overlooked reason. And the reason... Why people say, I know I should use it more, but don't. Why people are saying, um, if uh, why would I ever use it without injuries? Why people didn't even know they should be using it in cash. Every single week, if you're playing enough volume, you're going to be in a situation where, or may, if you're playing hundreds of head-to-heads, or at least one lineup's dead, and if you're in a week where you're going to have weeks, where you just start out really bad, your lineups are probably just dead because your morning players played so bad. And this is probably where people are using it the least. People are using it for injuries, and people that are playing a lot of tournaments know about the swap situation where you you can make a pay jump or something. But really, the most important thing to do to save your bottom line is to use it when you're having a bad week. And I think probably the psychology is my team sucks this week sucks it's a wrap let me enter some more games or let me just forget about the week when in actuality you can actually really salvage your weeks by paying attention to late swap in these scenarios so let whether it's it's gpp cash game 50 50 or double up the the logic is kind of the same um, obviously the ownership is going to be different in a GPP compared to 50, 50 or double up, but the idea is the same. So let's go back to our scenario where we have our Derrick Henry at 9,500 and he's our only player left in the afternoon and your first eight players stunk and you have like, let's look at a 50, 50, you look at the cash line. It's going to be, it's already at like 125 on FanDuel and you have 75 points. And Derrick Henry's the the mega chalk that week. He's you know like in 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 a week where running backs mega chalk, they'll be in sixty seventy percent of sometimes more of fifty fifty or double up lineups. So if you leave a player that's going to be sixty seventy percent owned in your lineup, where everybody else has already done bad, you're leaving yourself no outs. You're not even giving yourself a chance to catch the field. When you're losing a lot, when your team's doing really bad in the morning, you want to just get to a contrarian guy. Find somebody that 
has some kind of avenue to a big game. It's not going to happen a lot, but when it does, it could turn your week from like a bottom 5% week to at least maybe like in a really, really good situation, it might turn your week into a break-even week. Um, or maybe you only lose 60% of your head-to-heads instead of 80% of your head-to-heads. That's still real money you're saving. That's still a real edge to gain. Your your bank account, your bankroll doesn't know if you won $200 or if you saved $200 by making a late swap. You still have that $200 in your account that you wouldn't have anyway. So when you're losing, when you're having a really bad day, you should be looking for scenarios where you can make this swap off of these chalk plays. Um, now, if you have a guy that you think is going to be 5% owned, maybe you don't make the swap. Maybe you just hope that 5% guy goes off and, and saves your day. Um, for whatever reason, maybe you ended up on some some random Braxton Berrios in, in your cash game just to make everything else work, and, and you're going to hope for 40 from him. And, and once in a while, that might happen. But um, the most common situation, DFS is really, really hard, especially NFL DFS. And this is why I'm looking every week. I might be having a, a pretty good cash game week. Like my my um, cash lineup might be like 60, 65th percentile with a, a really good running back still to go. That's cool. But in my 10X, I might have no shot at, at cashing that lineup um, with my chalk player. So maybe in my in my 10X boosters, I make the switch. In my winner take alls, in my single entries, I take my cash lineup and switch them just in that lineup. And then ideally... This is obviously a time constraint issue, but ideally you would go through as many head-to-heads as possible, see where you're getting blown out and do the same thing. Obviously, if you're playing hundreds of them, it's going to be really hard to do it. But if you can at least look maybe like 30 minutes before the second slate starts and see maybe 10% of your lineups you're getting smoked by somebody that just has, or 5% by people that put together monster lineups and head-to-heads, you can make swaps there. Um, And the... The only difference between, I would say, between the head-to-heads and the other cash games, the 50-50s, the double-ups, or even the GPPs, people might be tempted to, let's say you only play head-to-head games. If you're in 100 head-to-heads, you're having this horrible, horrible week, um, and you only have chalk left, people might be tempted just to mass swap that player the issue with doing that in head-to-heads is your chalk player might still catch a fair amount of lineups that you're trailing, and you can still have a not catastrophic week if, like, your chalk Derrick Henry goes off. So I would I would advise people, if you're only a head-to-head player, to, like, not just do a mass swap, like, still try to go through them individually because... Uh, it's, it's just a little bit of a different calculation there. You're not just trying to hit a cash line or, or be in a certain like percentile in terms of, um, of a GPP. Like your every lineup has a monetary value or every matchup has an individual monetary value attached to it. So tr- yeah. I just thought of something here. What's up? Right. So <clears throat> you're playing your, you want to put the four o'clock slate lineups in too. Mm-hmm. I don't know when you do that. So you're late swapping on one and at the same time you're trying <laughs> yeah, to take yeah, care yeah. of your lineups. How are yeah, you handling that? For sure. Um, ideally, you've the, the way I tend to do it, I, I try to have, obviously there might be some injury concerns or not. Um, like a couple, I don't remember exactly what the reason was, but I was like really splitting up my slates uh, one week. 
so ideally by the time the 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 early games kick off i've i've kind of already entered all of my games for at least for early and late slates on the separate ones and then once the early slates start i'm just like kind of doing my adjustments around kickoff so hopefully the only thing you're really worried about with if you're playing a like a afternoon only slate that four game slate or three game slate or whatever really the only thing like in that last half hour you should be worried about are injury concerns like there's no reason to be doing any other swaps maybe you're looking for some um overlay or something but you should have your lineups built for the most part um by then uh oh the flex is very important to you, you gotta yes. tell them about the flex because everybody knows but sometimes you forget dude so i mean the the winner of the sunday million got away with it this week so he had dj dallas left room for the he or she left room for the swap but had DJ Dallas, who was in the late game, in the running back position, and then Keenan Allen and DK Metcalf, or whoever was there before, in the wide receiver position. You have to put your latest, most expensive player possible in the flex. So even though DJ Dallas, it worked out, obviously, but ideally, I think it was he had Gio Bernard in, in the flex, who, who was in the early game. You want Gio Bernard in the running back position and DJ Dallas or whoever was in place of DJ Dallas in the flex because if DJ Dallas is, it, it ends up you can't use DJ Dallas for whatever reason or you had whoever it is, I don't know, Chris Carson or Carlos Hyde in there. If one of them is active or whatever, your plan gets blown up, you want to have as many options as possible. So a million things can happen between the first kickoff and the second kickoff on the main slate. So sure, you might have a plan that you want this running back or a running back, but you want that late swap to be in your flex position so that for whatever reason, if you want it to be a wide receiver, you want it to be a tight end, you can't be. It's in the name. You want flexibility. It's called the flex. Mm -hmm. So have your most expensive, your latest guy possible in the flex. And sometimes it's not going to be the most expensive, but just as late as possible, as expensive as possible, have it in your flex. I know if you're building hundreds of lineups, it can be hard. Um, if you're using a, a optimizer to, to max enter, it could be hard. Just try to, like, it could literally be a million-dollar mistake by not doing that. <laughs> Brutal. All right, TJ, anything else you want to get to before we tell them to sign up now for the promo code DFSMVP for 25% off and $49 for the rest of the year? That's the only other thing I wanted to mention. Uh, besides that, if you want to hear or read more of us, always on Twitter. Holden's at Holden Radio. I'm at TJ Hernandez444. Is at 444Football. Happy week nine, and we will talk to you guys. Ghost ride the whip. Ghost ride the whip. Ghost ride the whip. Ghost ride the whip. Now scrape, 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 scrape. Put your stunner shades on. 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 Now gas break, dip, dip. Gas break, dip, dip. Shake them dreads. Shake them dreads. Shake them dreads. Shake them dreads. Let me see you show your grip. 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 Now this, 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 this.